Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. You may be seated in the house this morning. Praise God. Praise God. There's just a sweet easy presence of the holy spirit here this morning um i hope you're feeling it i you know god's in the god's in the shout but god's in the quietness as well amen i mean you don't need i'm not preaching on elijah but we know all the storms the lightning the thunder the the earthquake god wasn't in that but that stall that small still voice the song that's a lot of times god is in that so but i pray that your hearts are ready today if you would turn to your bibles to acts chapter one as you do I uh, just want to quickly just say a big thank you. Uh, last week, we took up an offering to help the uh, flood victims in, in the state of Kentucky. And we took up an offering of $750. And to God be the glory for that. Amen? Amen. The board is adding to that that so we can send a nice nice relief uh, offering to them. Because we know what it's like when, when you've lost your home, you've lost everything you own. You know that feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. And so uh, through the power of God, through your giving, we're going to send a message of hope to these people along with other churches that hopefully will help restore their livelihood and their place of, of living. Also, just a reminder, it was up there as well, but I really need you, church, to act on this. If you want to be a part of the marriage conference uh, happening in September, please go online. Please go on the church app and register that. If money is an issue for you, if you say, I just don't have 20 please come see me. I don't want money. I don't want money to keep you from coming to a great weekend that we want to invest in the families, uh, the, the, the moms, the dads. I've said this as well. If you're a senior in high school and you think one day you're going to be married, matter of fact, mom and dad, if you have a senior in high school, this would be great for them to come and set in on. If you're going to get married soon, if you're not a senior but you think you're ever going to get married again, come on. It's a great thing to be. Am I just trying to get a large crowd? I sure am. But it's because I want to invest in you and your relationship, your family. So come on out. It's going to be a great time with Dr. Morrow on that Thursday, excuse me, that Friday night and Saturday morning. Well, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but I want to kind of begin our service with a, a, a news flash that I heard this morning, uh, last two mornings in the news. Um, I don't know if you heard about the, the, the truck that was going down the interstate and crashed. It was a, uh, it was a truck that it was loaded with all this vic, uh, vapor rub stuff, you know, that you, when you're sick you can't breathe. And um, it crashed. Uh, but the report was for eight hours there's absolutely no congestion whatsoever on the highway. There you go. Yeah. And by the way, I purposely said it in a bad way so that you would say, boy, that's bad. But I want, you, I want my preaching to be better than my joke telling. But the funny part about that that I added to this, now the government is spending millions of dollars to study that accident to figure out how they can use it. Anyways, there we go. There we go. Um, Acts chapter 1. Uh, we began this series last week. Uh, can I do this? I, I don't know why, but I, just, I, I sense there's a hindrance right now in me. I don't know why. I just feel like there's a hindrance in me. You don't need your pastor being a hindrance today. Will you, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Father God, you know the seriousness, Lord, of the message you've laid on my heart. This is not me speaking. This is you. And so, Lord, I pray, God, you help me, Lord, to remove the flesh. 
not say what I think you want said to the people, God, but help me, Father, Lord, to speak from your heart today. Uh, Lord, help the listener have ears to hear, God. Help my thought process today, Lord. Help me stay on track, God. Help me to have the clarity, Father, right now in the name of Holy Spirit. You take over in the name of Jesus. And, and Lord, just anoint me, Father, right now. I need a double portion today, Father. This message is so important to this church for such a time as this, Lord. This is, this is a launching pad, Father, for this fellowship, Lord, for where you're taking us in the next 6 to 12 months, God. I believe that with all my heart, God. Lord, help me, Father. Father, right now, in the wonderful name, the mighty name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Amen. Amen. So we look at the book of Acts. This is a journey we're just beginning. And we're going to be looking at, from beginning to end, the book of Acts. And I want you to understand, this is kind of a part two of last week. You please go online if you weren't here last Sunday and hear the part one of it. Um, I've entitled a different, um, given a different title because of the emphasis on today. Last week, it was a case for the Holy Spirit. Why, why, where's our belief come from in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We talked about how Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to look at the fact that this book called the book of Acts is the story of the early church. We know that it's a historical book in the sense that it explains how the gospel, how the church was birthed and how the gospel spread from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. We see that the epistles that are written after this with the exception of Revelation how they all point back to the birth of the church and how the gospel spread throughout the region. But it's not just about the early church. Luke began by saying these are this is a continuing work of what Jesus taught and what he did. And so the reality of it is, is that as you look at the book of Acts, if you were to go to the last chapter of the book of Acts, you'll find out there's no declaration of the end of the book. What you find is Paul sitting in a jail cell in Rome awaiting his sentence. But there's no official end to the book of Acts. And I think the reason for that, because if you know most of the books, there's always a dolitoxy. There's always this ending. There's always a salutation. You don't find that in the book of Acts written by Luke. Because the fact of the matter is, is that the words, what Jesus taught, and the acts that Jesus performed, the miracles, signs, and wonders, were not intended to stop at the end of the book of Acts. We as the body of Christ are, are designed, it was given birth to, the church was given birth, so that we would continue to teach what Jesus taught, continue to live what Jesus lived, and continue to do what Jesus has done. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 3 this morning. We're going to begin there. After his, the speaking of Jesus, suffering, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And what was he doing? He spoke about the kingdom of God. So we know that Pentecost was 50 days after the resurrection of Christ, after Jesus come forth out of it. it. I'm not taking time to go into the festivals, but just understand that the Old Testament festivals all were prophecy, all pointed towards the coming of Christ. Pentecost was a time of harvest. And so for 40 days, not 50 days, but for 40 days prior to that. So let's do the math for a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But if Jesus taught them for 40 days and Pentecost was 50 days, what we're going to find is for 10 days after Jesus ascended, they waited. That's where we're going this morning. But for 40 days, what was Jesus doing? He was convincing his disciples, the 11, 
I eventually chose the 12th one. He was convincing, convincing his followers that what? He was alive, that he was actually alive, that he was, he, they could touch him, they could talk to him, that he was alive, that what had been prophesied about him, what he had foretold them that he must die and rise again, had taken place. And then he continued teaching them about the kingdom of God. Because why? The kingdom of God had come. They were to be operating within the principles of the kingdom of God. So he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. He's teaching about the kingdom domain. He's teaching them about how the king thinks. He teaches them what the king does. He teaches what, them what is important to the king, what is important to King Jesus. He's teaching them what is important to them, to him rather, and how the kingdom is supposed to operate, how the kingdom is supposed to happen, what is the priorities in the kingdom. So for 40 days, he's going and said, I've done what I told you I would do. I've died. I've rose again. Now I'm about to leave, and I need you to know how things are supposed to operate within my kingdom, because my kingdom is now. The spiritual kingdom of God is now. He will return one day. At, he will return one day. Come on. And he'll set up his physical kingdom here for a thousand years. But until then, we are to be bringing the kingdom of God into spiritual reality in this world. That's, that's our role. And, and so that's what he taught about. And on verse 4, he says, On one occasion, Luke says, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. And what we have to understand is as we look at this book and we look at today the power of God that he wants to instill in us and operate through us, that the importance of what he wants to do in us is so important that he said, I suggest that you go and wait on me. That's how important it is. I just, I, here's a recommendation for you. You might want to think about it. You know, if you have time, if you have time, I want you to go and wait on this. If you don't have time, that's fine. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus gave a command. This is not an option for the church today. Hear me. Listen, I need you to listen to me not as your friend. I don't, I'm not your buddy right now. You need to understand that I'm speaking prophetically through the Holy Spirit today into our lives to give us the direction that we need today. This is not a, a wish of Jesus. This was a command. This is something he said, you better do. You need to do what? You need to go and wait. It is a command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. See, the problem with the church today is we have a problem waiting. We have a problem waiting. We just said, Lord, you, you send the fire, we'll provide the sacrifice. The problem is we don't want to take time to rebuild the altars in our lives. We don't want to take time to wait upon the Lord. We don't want time for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to come on us on a daily basis, not just a weekly basis. We just don't have time. Why? Because time has become our enemy. God gave us time. God doesn't, God doesn't live by time. Time was created for our aspect, but it becomes our enemy because what we do, we look at our watches, we look at our clocks, we look at our calendars, and we have everything planned out, and there's no spontaneousness of the Holy Spirit in our lives anymore because why? We don't have time for it. We won't wait on it. Our minds are already where we're going this afternoon. And I'm not beating I'm not casting stones. I'm just saying that I'm the same way. I'm sitting in a conference Thursday trying to gleam from the Holy Spirit. And, you know, my phone's going off and my counter reminders come up and all this is happening. Remind me of everything I've got to do that I'm not doing, right? It's why? Because we're driven. We allow our time to control us without understanding we need to redeem the time. And we need to start learning how to wait. We need to wait for the gift of the Father that the Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Think about this for a moment. How important is the baptism in the Holy Spirit if Jesus, speaking to people who had been a part of his ministry, 
They had been a part of the casting out of demons. They had been a part of providing miraculously for 5,000 people a lunch. They had been a part of seeing the dead raised. They had been a part of eyes being opened and the deaf being here and the lame walking. They had been a part of all this miraculous. Even Jesus sent them out at one point under his authority, within his authority to do these things. Think about this. If, if they had witnessed it, if they had participated in it, he says, go and wait. How important was it for them to wait? How important was it for them to wait? He said, I don't want you to go out and tell anybody that I'm alive. Wait a minute, we're supposed to evangelize, Lord. No, I don't want you to say a word about what you have seen and heard me. Not yet. If you see, I don't want you to lay hands on anybody and pray for their healing. I don't want you. You see demonic? No, I don't want you to go do that. I don't want you to do any of this stuff until you have waited on the promise that my Father has promised you, until you wait upon the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything till you receive it. This was critical for them. We have to grasp this today, church. This is critical for us today. It's critical for the church. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, our experience of the supernatural, both in what we say and do in regards to signs and wonders will be drastically reduced. I'll say it again. The wonders, the signs, the power of God is going to be drastically reduced in your life and my life if we do not have the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus knew this, and that's why he says to his disciples, don't do anything. I'm about to go up in the clouds, you go to the city and you wait. You wait until you've been empowered and clothed and and baptized in the Holy Spirit. You desperately need this empowering. The problem today is so many Christians are trying to live a supernatural life, come on, without the supernatural power. You're trying to live a supernatural life without the supernatural power. Power and what happens is, is what the Bible says should be happening in your life. What the Bible says that God wants to do through you isn't happening, and you are disappointed. I guarantee you right now, if I were to take a, how many of y'all are very satisfied with the power of God and how He's working through you to see people healed that you pray for? Guarantee you, I don't think anybody would be satisfied. Not even me. Or, or that you see the people that you really care about that are unsaved, the power of God. How many of you are really pleased with reaching lost souls for the kingdom of God? I doubt if any of you are very satisfied with that. I, I doubt if at all. Why? Uh, why? When's the last time you knew there was demonic activity in somebody and you laid hands on it and the demon? When's the last time you knew there was demon activity? You don't see it, you don't know it. Unless you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit active in your life. Talk about God God healing. But if we don't have the power that brings about God's healing, we are going to see less or little of what God desires to do. And listen, I know many of us come from different denominational backgrounds. I I, I understand that. Some of y'all come from no background. Praise God. I'm glad for that. I really am. I'm so thrilled to know that. But what I want you all to do is I want you all to experience the power of God as the Word of God says you ought to. These aren't my words. These are not my words. I think God, more than ever before, He wants you to encounter His Holy Spirit in such a way that it changes how you live your life. You, you having struggles in your life? 
You need the power that comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're dealing with, 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 with doubt. You're dealing with struggles. You're dealing with body pain. You're dealing with sickness. You're dealing with whatever it might be that you're up against. Addiction, attitude, whatever, old lifestyle. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because what you have now obviously isn't working. I'm just being honest. This, you cannot take the, out, the, the outpouring, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you cannot take it out of this book, this holy writ, and still have a completed word. It doesn't work. Matter of fact, the New Testament, doesn't, it, it doesn't flow without it. You have to take almost every epistle out. Because why? It's supposed to be an integral part of, a, of the believer's experience on a daily basis. Without the empowering of the Holy Spirit, you'll be frustrated. And you know what you do? You begin to live a theology that tries to explain your theological disappointments. So many don't believe it today because you, don't, you haven't experienced it. You're not seeing it. So how do we explain that away? Well, that was just for the apostles. Right? God doesn't work that way anymore. God have mercy if someone comes up to you and is sick and wants you to pray. And you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. We're living in a world that is, is, is fascinated with the supernatural. Look at your movies. Everything's about supernatural, supernatural power. You know, all, all the Marvel, all the DC characters. Just, just look at TV. Look at the, the enamoration with the supernatural. We, we want supernatural. We know it exists. Even the lost world knows it exists. Just look at all the wicked stuff that's going on in our own city right now. We've got a store down on Harrison Avenue that's nothing about, but about witch spells and incantations and all this kind of stuff. It's out there. It's no longer behind the scenes. It's no, because why? The world is hungry for something supernatural. And what they're selling for is a, 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 a counterfeit to what God is. Nothing but what the enemy wants to do that counterfeits what God wants to do. And God says, you can have the real deal. You can have the real deal if you want it, if you desire it. See, turn over to Luke chapter 24 with me. Luke chapter 24. Listen to what Jesus told us in Luke 24, verse 46. He told them this. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. He's telling them exactly what they're going to be doing. You are witnesses of these things. You have seen what I've done. You've seen that I'm alive. You saw that I died. You're the witness of the things. You've witnessed the gospel before your eyes. And so he says, now verse 49, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Yes, you're going to go into all the world. Yes, you are going to speak about what you've seen. Yes, you are going to go and lay hands on the sick. They're going to live. Yes, 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 and yes. But don't you dare go and do anything until you've been empowered by my Holy Spirit. See, don't dare do it. Now, I've heard the argument. Turn back to Acts chapter 1 with me. We're going to go right back there in just a minute. I've heard the argument. That you people have known people who were not who did not claim to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and God used them to evangelize and, and reach the lost. And I'm not here to argue that. But what we have to understand, those folks are they are not the norm. They are the exception. I, I, I know Billy Graham was a great man. And thank God for the... Uh, who knows all the lives he touched? And there's been, well, pastor, he had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know. He never professed it. If he was, then why wouldn't he profess it? 
You say, well, then why do I need it if he did it? But you're talking about an exception, not the norm. Why do we want to focus on an exception and not the norm? If the norm is, if Jesus said, I want to empower you, then why wouldn't you want the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Why wouldn't you want that in your life? Why wouldn't you want to be go lay hands on people and see them healed or, or raise the dead? Come on, or see demons. Why wouldn't you want to see this operating within your life? I need the power. You need the power. So we could do what God has called us to do. Jesus says, wait until you're clothed with power. Back to Acts chapter 1, verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit. The question is, why do they need the Holy Spirit? Now, we know, we know, because we've talked about it, but we have to break this down. What will it do for them? And more importantly, what would the baptism of the Holy Spirit do for us today? Why do we need it? Well, Jesus tells us why. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. The key to that is power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's the power to what? To be my witness. That's why you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the power you need to be the witness that God has called you. Now, we need to look at this word power. I want us to think about this word power for just a minute. Can I teach you for a minute? This power in the Greek is the word dunamis. And dunamis, it literally means uh, explosive power. It's where we get the word dynamite from. You ever played with dynamite? I hope you haven't. But you ever seen it go off, right? You light it. Boom! It's a mighty power. It's explosive power. It's the it's, it's a mighty ability to do great and mighty things. Mighty strength. It means supernatural power. It means miraculous power. You receive supernatural power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You receive mighty power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's this explosive power that God will use to help you be a witness. Ten times this word dunamis is used in the book of Acts. And each time it tells us what it should look like or how it should function. Therefore, we can use the book of Acts as a textbook to know what this dunamis power is. And see if it's actually working within our lives. The power of the Holy Spirit is the norm. It's the way God wants to work. And it's not just for the apostles. Peter tells us in Acts 2 that it's for anybody who believes. And I believe with all my heart this is for every believer today. I want you to hear this, Pastor. I have studied this word. I have tried to figure out why things aren't happening the way they ought to be happening the way the Bible says they are. And I keep coming back that this is the norm. What we're doing today is not the norm. This is the norm. And I believe more than anything, God wants to fill you with his power. Yes, Lord. I hear that. I feel the power. I think that's a confirmation right there. It's all right. Power goes out. I'll keep preaching. He wants to fill us with that power. Here's what it looks like in Acts. Acts chapter 2. Just turn over. We're going to flip through if you got your Bibles. Acts chapter 2, 22. Fellow Israels, Israelites, listen to me. This is Peter. This is, he's got up and he's preached. He's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. power of God comes upon him. He says, Jesus of Nazareth was, was, man, was a man accredited by God to do to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This word right here is the same word, dunamis. What does that type of power look like? Miracles, wonders, and signs. We'll go on that side. Miracles, wonders, 
in signs which God did among you. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 3, verse 12. We're just going to go through some scriptures real quick here. I don't want to say I'm almost done, but I'm just going to read some scriptures and show you this in scripture, and then you have to decide for yourself today. Acts chapter 3, verse 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own dunamis, own miraculous power, by our own mighty power, right, or God did this, we have made this man walk. This is the man at the gate beautiful. Peter and John are going to the gate beautiful. They come up to a, a guy that's been, who, who's been crippled since uh, birth, and, he, and he's asking for alms. He's begging. This is how he lives. And Peter comes up to him and says, you know what? I'm an evangelist. I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. I don't have any money. Y'all supposed to laugh right there. Man, you guys are, whoo, God breathed some life in here this morning. Amen? He says, I, well, listen, I don't have anything to give you but one thing. And let me give that to you. And he says, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And the man was miraculously healed. How? He's explaining this right here, okay? Just think about that. Do you believe this? I do. I believe God wants to do this. This is real. I think God wants to do this in us today. Right? Listen, I believe God's going to start, and let me scare you. God's already started doing this. We already have one lady who is, the doctors have testified that her heart healed itself. They were about to go in and do a procedure. They had her prep. They go in there and said, hey, we're going to go look at this one more time. Went in there. Her heart miraculously healed itself. She didn't have to have surgery. I heard a report just this week of somebody in our church. The Holy Spirit led them into an ICU room where there was a guy that had flesh-eating bacteria. He was an unbeliever. He goes, look, God just told me that I need to come in here and pray. Can I pray for you? He said, sure. Nothing else seems to be working. My, my leg's being eaten off by this bacteria. The man prayed for him, and the guy said, the man in the bed, the man with the bacteria said, whoa, something happened to me. It's already starting to happen, church. We just have to line up with the power of God. You have to be led of the Spirit. First, you have to be baptized in the Spirit with the power of the Spirit. Be led of the Spirit to step out by supernatural faith so God can do supernatural miracles through you. I'm telling you, God wants to do this today. Do you not think this church would fill up if people started miraculously being healed, raised from the dead, demonic? Hey, come on, church. We, we need the, but we dare not do it on our own. Jesus said, don't do this on your own. You dare not try to do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. You're going to go out there and you're going to pray for somebody and nothing's going to happen. And they're going to question, well, I thought your God was real. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. We need this power. I told you, God has you here today for a reason. This isn't for all those other folks. No, I'm kidding. They can listen to it. This is for you today, right? Power. Power. Acts chapter 4, verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what dunamis or name did you do this? So the religious leaders, listen, when things start happening, let me tell you something. Can I tell you a story? True story. Y'all remember the Brownsville revival? Look, we know that with any revival, there's flesh, but there's also a lot of spirit, a lot of authenticity at Brownsville. There was some flesh. We know that. I, I witnessed it, but there was authenticity. It was I saw things and heard things. I, I'm like, wow. Awesome. Do you know that when Brownsville started, that many religious leaders in our district, pfft, they didn't believe it, didn't want to participate in it, didn't want to go see what was happening? 
Why? Because when that starts happening, in our case, in our district, a lot of them said, well, it's pulling people from my church. That's not happening at my church. I don't, I, don't want to be, I don't believe it's real. It's not happening at my church. They actually started doubting what the book of Acts tells us and Paul confirms throughout the epistles. That's what's happening here. These religious leaders, why? The attention wasn't on them. It was on Peter and John. And Peter and John, they deflected the attention and said, this isn't us. We didn't do this within our power. We did this within the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. They were jealous. They were concerned. They was losing influence. And what happens is he says, it isn't us. That's what this is about. It's not within our power. It's within the power of God. And then in verse 33, they respond with great power, with great dunamis, miraculous power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerful at work in them. They were released, and they continued to preach about God, about Jesus, His plans. And this is speaking about the power to speak boldly. It is about speaking boldly. It's about doing miraculous works. It's also, this is what we need. This is exactly what we need. There are lives at stake every day. And we need to be able to speak boldly into the lives of people. Our lives need to line up with this Word of God. That's why it's important you're baptized. You're having problems in your life. You're having difficulties. I'm not saying every problem goes away. But how you handle problems is a testimony and a witness to those out there in the world. Come on, somebody. And then when God does do it, you don't take the credit. You deflect it and give it to God. And now you've got a testimony and with boldness you go out and you tell people about Jesus and then the faith rises up within you and you begin to pray for people. You'll see people saved. You'll see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. You'll see people healed. I believe that. It's in the Word. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not supposed to happen. See? And here's the thing. No believer, no follower of Christ is given a pass on this. Just because you are in an introvert doesn't mean you get off the hook. It just means you need the power of the Holy Spirit to get over your introvertedness. By the way, spell check says that's not a word, but okay, I created a word there. Introvertedness. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to co- overcome you, your, your inadequacies. You say, I'm not very articulate. Neither am I. I'm stumbling all over my words today. But God's ministering to you because I'm under the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit. Just because you're not articulate, just all that means is you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That, 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 that's it in a nutshell. That's it. You cannot get off the hook. You say, well, I haven't been saved that long. Sorry. That's not an out either. We're looking for outs. We're looking for reasons why we don't need to be testifying, why we don't need to be witnesses. And I want to be that closet Christian. I want to be that silent witness. No, there is no silent witness. Where do you get that from? It's about proclaiming the Word of God. If you're, listen, if you have the best testimony if you've just been saved, you just need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower you to be able to say what the Spirit wants you to say. There's no age. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. When you go into your school, you're an agent of change. You'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit with power and fire from on high. You could go in there, and I'm not talking about you've got to get up there and preach. Maybe God leads you to do that. Go for it. But you definitely can tell people about the love of God. And you can pray for your friends. You can see, some of y'all looking at me like, I've heard this, but this is really for today? I'm not seeing it. That's the problem. It is for today. If it's not for today, then why would God give it to us? The, the writing. See, it, it, it is for today. Too many Christians taken out when it comes to the Great Commission because they're afraid. 
You're afraid to go out and share. You're afraid to step out and pray for somebody. I guarantee you right now, if I ask you, why don't you pray for people to be healed when you see someone sick? I guarantee you, probably 99.9% because I'm afraid they won't be healed. I get it. I, everybody I pray for doesn't get healed. I get it. I get it. But that doesn't give us an out. We still have to step out in faith. We just cannot do it within our power. we got to do it within the dunamis of God, that miraculous power. And it should be evident in our lives because it overcomes our limitations. See, I'll be honest with you. You can't heal the sick. I can't heal the sick. But when the power of God comes upon me and comes upon you, and by faith you lay hands on somebody, it's up to God, not to you. You just got to step out in faith. And I would rather step out in faith and pray for everybody, even if only some get healed. As I said, it's not on me. It's not a lack of my faith. It's, it's God's choice. But I'm going to step out by faith. See, We need to understand this. For those of you who believe it's just for the apostles or preachers or missionaries, I'm going to show you something. Turn over to Acts chapter 6 with me. Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, we find the lowly of loaths God used in empowerment. We find a deacon. Yes, God can even use a deacon right here. Come on, somebody. All right? Acts chapter 6, verse 8. Listen to what happens to this deacon who yields himself to God. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. That right there is dunamis, right? That is power. It's dunamis. How did Stephen do it? Signs and wonders? Through God's power. God's miraculous power. This is a power that's available to you. It's a power that's available to me. And God will even use deacons. Think about that for just a moment. Come on. It's not just about the apostles. It's not just for the pastors. It's for anybody. Anybody. In Acts 8, we find a man by the name of, of Simon. We're going to turn over to Acts chapter 8. Go and turn over there. We're going to find a guy by the name of Simon who's a sorcerer. He's been fooling the people with black magic, with satanic magic. He'd been, and they even called him, they even called him the, the great God. I mean, they, they had a name. The great power of God was his title. And, 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 and what happens is Philip, who, by the way, is not an apostle here, right? He's, he's not a pastor. He shows up proclaiming the gospel. And Simon loses his influence over the people. And look what happens in verse 13. Simon himself believed. Why did he believe? Because he saw a greater power than what he had, and people stopped following him. I said, whoo, i got to know. But it says he believed. There's a lot of theological differences here. If the Bible says that he believed and was baptized, I believe he was saved. His heart wasn't right, but he was saved. He may have had the wrong motives, but he was saved, right? And so he was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and wonders he saw. Dunamis, the mighty miracles, the power of God was upon Philip. So what kind of signs did Simon see? We'll turn back to verse 6 of chapter 8. It says, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. I'm going to read that again. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, Impure spirits came out of many, and many were paralyzed or were laying, were healed, so that there was great joy in the city. That sounds like a, a revival to me, doesn't it? A man full of the Holy Ghost shows up. He's not a pastor. He's not an apostle. He shows up. Actually, he runs to Samaria because of the persecution the Christians were in Jerusalem. And he goes, and what does he do? I don't know what else to do than what God's called me to do. I, I may do this for a living. I may do that for a living. I may be a husband, a wife, whatever. But I'm first and foremost, I'm called to be a child of God, baptized in the Holy Spirit with a purpose. And so he goes and he preaches 
preach the gospel. And through him, the Holy Spirit does miraculous signs so more people are listening. More people are watching. More people are receiving. There's people delivered from demonic activity in their life. They're saved. They're healed. Praise God. Isn't that what we want to see in this church? It didn't just happen. He was baptized. Dunamis from God. Power. Miraculous power from God. Through a man named Philip. Turn over to Acts chapter 10. We're getting there. I know you probably say, Pastor, you made your point. No, I'm, there's someone in here still doubting. Somebody's still in, I still got a little bit of preach in me. This is what Peter tells Cornelius. This is the account of true Gentiles. Sumerians weren't Gentiles. They were half Gentile, half Jew. Now we're getting to the uttermost parts of the world here. This is a Gentile that, that, that Peter goes. This is where Peter had the vision on the rooftop. And, and Cornelius, an angel told Cornelius, go, go to this man named Tanner and get, and get this man named Peter. So Peter comes, and this is what it says in verse 37. You know what has happened throughout the providence of Judea. He's telling you, you've, you've seen it, you've heard it. Beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. He's explaining what this is all about. It was the Holy Spirit and dunamis. Dunamis, power, mighty power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with me. And I pointed this out last week. Go back and listen. God, Jesus was definitely fully God, but he was also fully man. And what he chose to do is set aside the privileges that come with being deity, but being God himself. And he filled fully as a man, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He operated with the Holy Spirit, just like you and I, so that he would show to us that we could do the same things he did, and even greater. And he said that. If he was God, there's, oh, that's great, but that's God. But he wasn't God. He was fully man, and because he did it, you and I can do it. How? Through the empowering of God Almighty. The dunamis power, the mighty power, the miraculous power. That God will use you to great, do great and mighty deeds for the kingdom of God. That will witness of Him. It will, I keep telling you, my mind has been totally changed as I look at the Gospels. Except, and I know I keep saying this, but listen to me, y'all. Some of y'all weren't here last week. There's no way in heaven or earth, that you can go out and, and, and let your light shine to the point that you do good works, that the people who see your good works will glorify God in heaven without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You go do good things, but I doubt they're saying, well, I thank God for that. Because we have to learn. Yes, we need to go cook cookies for our neighbor who's sick or provide dinner for our friend down the road or so-and-so that's been sick. We do need to cut grass for somebody when the lawnmower. Those are great deeds. But like I said, a meal I've cooked or a yard I've cut or things that I've done for people to let my light shine, and we shouldn't stop doing those. I've never had anybody say, you know, I just thank God for you unless they're already a believer. Believer will because we know. They know whom I'm working through. But the world doesn't because why? They know not God. But you show up, and you lay hands, and bones are healed. Oh, flesh-eating diseases are healed. A heart is healed. There is a thank God that he sent you to me because of the power of God in you. I'm trying to convince you. It's for you. It's for you. For us. Today. Acts chapter 19. You can tell we're getting to the end of the book here. So, you know, I'm running out of scriptures. Ten times. Ten times. Ten times. Talking about Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle. He's going to the Gentiles. He's gone from Jerusalem. 
It's gone to Judea. It's gone to Samaria. Now it's going to the uttermost parts where it is. It began with Peter reaching Cornelius. Report came back. It's good for, I'm sorry, i got to teach. It's good. It's also for the Gentiles. And so God calls Paul, who was Saul, to go. And this is what it said. Because, you know, in reality, we don't hear a lot of the miracles of Paul. If you read the epistles, you don't hear a lot of the, you, he, he, you have the book of Acts that talks about it, but Paul himself doesn't. All right? And it makes you, well, did he do miracles? Well, let this answer that question for you. Verse 11 of chapter 19. God did extraordinary, I love that. Not, not ordinary, extraordinary. Miracles. That's dunamis. Through Paul. So that even handkerchiefs. If they couldn't get to him, they would go and get handkerchiefs and aprons that he had touched. And they would take them and they'd give them to the sick. And their illnesses were cur- uh, not cursed, cured. And the evil spirit left them. Was it Paul's sweat or spit that those claws worked through? No. It was dunamis. It was the power of God in him. Can you imagine? When's the last time you got up from a restaurant and someone said, hey, I heard that guy laid hands on somebody and they were healed or they prayed and something happened. This child who had all these issues suddenly is able to sit in class and learn and speak and ears were open and hey, He just wiped his mouth. They left. He just wiped his mouth over there after eating that sandwich. Let's go get it. Because I've got somebody in my family that needs to be healed. I'm being funny, but serious. When's the last time you said, whew, man, at work, man, it's hot. And you just wiped your face and you threw a thing down. And your coworker says, man, I've seen God work in him. I need this because I want to go give it to my mama. Because my mama has Alzheimer's. And I want to see her healed. power. It's not my power. It's not your power. That's why they're saying the power of God was so real in Paul's life. People were going and getting his apron. Maybe it's when he was making tents and he had an apron he wore and he'd take it off and suddenly he said, you know what? That is the third apron this week I've lost. (laughs) But what's happening is someone's slipping in and they're taking his apron and saying, no, I've got to go cover I've got someone who's who's dying of cancer and I just got to lay this apron over their body so God will heal them. It wasn't Paul. It's the power of God at work in Paul's life. See, it's miraculous power. Jesus said that you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you. He was talking about that mighty power. He was talking about miraculous power to do miracles. I believe that. If Jesus said signs and wonders should be following you, then signs and wonders are. It shouldn't be people wondering about you. It should be wonders, signs, and miracles. Why not you? Why not me? God is no respecter of persons. It is for us today. See, too many people in churches have made the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to just get on our toes as I'm about to close. I'm about to close, so hang on. See, in the Pentecostal church, we have made it the baptism of the Holy Spirit all about, I'm going to say all about tongues in our prayer language. Tongues in our prayer language are very important, folks. They are. I'm going to hear you. I'm not preaching against our denomination, our, 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 our beliefs. I believe in pr- praying in tongues. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in the gift of, of tongues with interpretations. I do, but we've made it all about that. Now, I'll just be honest with you. It's more about the power of God. It comes through that experience with the Holy Spirit. It comes through that experience with the Holy Spirit. But I, I'm not interested in knowing how often you speak in tongues. I want to see what God's power is doing in your life. I'm not beating you up. 
I'm just trying to say, I'm not, I'm not so interested about, about uh, hearing you pray in your prayer language if you can't go next door to your neighbor and share the love of God with them. If you can't get over your hate for them, your offense. Some of you guys are carrying offense towards people who hurt you so many years ago, you're never going to get over it. You've tried. You say, well, I can't forget. No, you're not going to forget because God's not giving you the ability to forget. He's giving you the ability to forgive and to move on. But you can't do it, so you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life because you can't live a victorious life. If you can't forgive others, how can your Father in Heaven forgive you? Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to create a new doctrine. I'm not trying to add to our doctrine. I'm just saying what God has showed me in the New Testament cannot be accomplished. Anything that Jesus said in the four Gospels, anything He led led His disciples to do cannot be done without the baptism of the Holy Spirit because He knew that in Acts 2, 50 days after Pentecost, they would receive the power. So everything He was teaching and preparing them, even those 40 days when He was walking with them after His resurrection, it was all about, listen, you don't go anywhere. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it's supposed to operate. You are supposed to lay hands on people and they be healed. You are going to raise for them. You are going to cast that devil. You're going to be able to do these things. But listen, you got to wait. You got to wait. You got to wait. You got to wait. You can't do it on your own. You dare not try to do it on your own. You're going to mess it up if you don't have the power of God Almighty in your life. But if you do, if you do, you lay hands on people, they're going to be healed. You will. You'll have this sermon of spirit. You'll be able to say, that child doesn't need a doctor. That child needs deliverance from a demon. Some things are not medical. Some things are. Not against medicine. I take medicine. Some things we just try to explain away. In reality, it's the enemy at work. Back to Acts 1.8. But you will receive power. Miraculous power. Mighty power. When? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon us. He said, you will receive this power, Jesus did. A power that helps us to continue what Jesus began to say and do. It is about saying. It is about witnessing. But say and do. Teaching what Jesus taught. And doing what Jesus did. You know, the word Christian was kind of a slang term that was given to the believers in Antioch. It wasn't a name that Jesus gave them. It wasn't a name that they gave themselves. But the Antiochs, the, those that lived in Antioch, the unbelievers, they called these, there's so much power in the lives of the believers. And they lived such a life, and they had heard about Christ. They called them Christians, which means little Christ. My prayer, praise team will come on up, my worship team. Called them little, that's what Christian means, means little Christ. We should be talking and doing like Jesus talked and did. God's helped us. He's given us a helper to help us live up that supernatural life. If the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not about power, then it's not about anything. We need to understand that. 
So the question is, do you have that power? And if you don't, do you want that power? And honestly, if you don't want power, then I believe you've lost your interest in receiving from God that all that God has for you. You're, you're falling short of what God wants to give you. I believe that. God offers you power. This is an invitation to the most exciting life. I love, I love what Brother Glenn has coined. I don't know if he came up with it or what, but he says it all the time. God wants to give you the power to live an adventurous life. Not a safe life. Don't get saved and get on the bus to heaven. Get saved and start changing your world. I'll be honest with you. Without the power of God, you can't do it. Matter of fact, Jesus says, don't even try. I believe that would speak to us today. I really do. He was speaking to his disciples. We know 120 were in the upper room. But I believe that this speaks to us today. If the rest of the scriptures speak to us, why wouldn't that part? We dare not do it without power. We need it. And here's the thing. This world needs it. Have you watched the news lately? Have you just watched the news lately? The murders, the corruption. I'm not just talking about Washington, D.C. either. I'm talking about around this country. The confusion that's in this world today. I don't, I don't recommend watching it, but if you really want to get an idea, just watch the evening news tonight. Just see what's happening in this world. The demonic act. The king of this world, Satan, he's, he's doing his best to destroy lives. But the king of the universe has given us power to change that. You realize that today we can't even tell the difference. We don't even know what a boy and a girl is today. That's how confused this world is. I want you to think about that. Think about that today. This world needs empowered Christians not to set them straight, but to let signs and wonders and miracles follow them. Because you start praying for people, they're going to say, hey, I know you didn't do that on your own. There's something about you. What's about you? Samaria, right? They started following Philip. Left, they left Simon. And before long, then you can speak into that person's life and God can change their life for them. This world needs it. This world needs it. This world needs the power that set them free, the power to transform their lives, the power that saved them from their circumstances. They need power that will change their life, their home, their relationships, their outlook, everything about them. This world needs it, and that's why God saved you and wants to empower you. He didn't just save you. He wants to empower you. See, only God has the power to do all this world needs, but He wants to use you and I to do that. But none of us can give, hear me, what you don't have. If you don't have the power of God, you can't give into their lives the power that God wants to give them in their lives. Jesus promised the power because we need the power to evangelize a lost and dying world that He gave Himself to save. If he promised it, you got to think about that. If he promised it, aren't his promises yes and amen? If he promised it, he hasn't taken that promise away. It's still there for us today. And he wants to empower us so we can change the world around us so that we can continue to teach with power and authority what Jesus taught and continue doing what Jesus did with power and authority as Jesus has done.
It's power. It's dunamis. How do we get it? We ask and we wait. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Wait until you've received. Now, I had no idea how to end this message. I worked on it all weekend, and it's like God just said, stop there and give the invitation. If you're here this morning and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, or you, it's been a long time, because let's face it, we either believe that we've either eaten the rat poison that it's not for today, or we have, we, 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 we feel like we can do what God wants us to do without it. And for some of us, we, we've experienced it for one time and feel like we've arrived. But there again, how do, we, how do we do it? So if you've been baptized before and all you received was tongue, but you never received power, I would ask you, what spiritual gift do you have? Let me ask you something, especially for my Wednesday night Bible study students. If God wants to work through us to do miracles, that means some of y'all, he wants to give the gift of miracles. you got to put the, the gifts of the Spirit in with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If he wants to see miracles take place, he wants to give somebody the gift of miracles. Maybe many of you the gift of miracles. Or whatever it takes for the gift of faith. If somebody's life's a mess, he may want to give you the gift of wisdom so you can speak into their lives. But if we don't have it, how are people going to be healed? Well, God wills that it be done. He said, I want to use you. It's God's will that none should perish, but people are dying and going to hell every eight seconds. Why? Because we have a powerless church in the world today. At least in America. At least in some parts of America. I want to change that. I want to slow that clock down. What if we change that in Bay County? See, you can't do it. God can through you. So I'm just going to say this. I, I've been praying, God, give me the gift to lay hands on people and then be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Give me that gift, if you can call it that gift. I want to lay hands on people and then receive not just the tongue, the power. See, when you're led of God, you don't go in fear. You go in might and power with anticipation of what God might do through you. If that's you this morning, I invite you to stand up across the front. joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.